the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Brown. Hey, welcome to another episode. What is going on? I'm Matt, and I am excited this week. Um, man, I hope you've been having a good week. Uh, I certainly have. It's been busy. It's been really, really busy. Um, we're preparing for a speaker training coming up at one of our advanced courses where we have uh, a two-day training for our leaders first. Then we have a training for a six-day uh, intensive NLP speaker training. Like We got a lot going on uh, in the office. And, you know, the podcast moves on. Um, I had a great meeting this morning with my publisher, so the book's moving forward. Uh, I'll tell you more about that uh, in some future episodes. My point is, life is busy, things are great, and I'm really excited about this week. As you saw probably in the, uh, in the description, this week's episode is an interview episode. I'm going to be talking to my friend Michael Neely. Uh, Michael has a tremendous story. And, uh, you know, as we get into some of his, you know, some of the origin story of what makes, you know, some of the entrepreneurs and coaches and trainers of today, the people that, you know, that, that I, I love to learn from, that probably you love to learn from, um, this podcast is moving more into the space of really wanting to uncover two things. Um, one is the origin stories that make these people tick. You know, how do they become who they are? Um, what were the ups and downs? What was the story? What were the drives behind them? So we get into Michael's drives and stories. Um, you're going to learn how he was a medieval times knight. He actually became a medieval times knight trainer running around like on the horses, you know, uh, which knight is his favorite uh, to play? Does he like to play the hero or the villain knight? Um, so we're going to, we'll talk about some of that. Uh, we also get into some of his acting career uh, on daytime soap operas like All My Children, um, uh, uh, acting in New York and um, doing uh, some, some actual live Broadway in New York, and all of that that ultimately led to where he is today, which has been teaching and training on how to build an authority blueprint. Uh, so we, we get into some really cool aspects. He talks about how to build an authority with four major pillars. So the four major pillars, I jot a note here, are podcasting, virtual summits, speaking from stage, and then getting published as an author. And he has a really interesting take. It's, uh, there's a lot of people teaching, I want to say, aspects of this, right, of how to become an expert or authority in your space. Michael has a really great, really authentic approach and a really functional, efficient approach on, on how to build these pillars and, and what order to put them in. So we're going to cover all that on the podcast and more. Um, we have a really fun time. Um, he's becoming a better and better friend o- over the time I've known him and uh, just absolute blast. I'm going to be up at his event as well. Um, we'll talk about that during the interview. Um, so if you want to come you know, meet him, meet me. We're going to be in Monterey, California, uh, June 25th through 27th. And we'll talk a little bit about that and what that whole thing looks like. Um, ultimately, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun uh, to hear his story, but also, almost more importantly, to learn from him about how you can build a better authority for yourself as a brand and to, to get more clients. So if you're interested at all in running your own podcast, uh, understanding about virtual summits, how to get guests, um, being able to speak from stage, whether it's two people or a thousand people, we'll start with two, right? Maybe three or four or five. Um, and then uh, if you have any, if you want to get in the conversation about doing a book, all that happens and more on the interview. So without much further ado, um, it goes just about an hour. So I want to, you know, buckle in, sit down, get ready for it. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time this week. Um, Michael Neely, everybody. So I'm here. I'm here with Michael Neely. Buddy, what's going on? 
Dude, it is so cool to be here. I'm excited to be in your show. I love your podcast. And of course, hanging out with a great guy like you is always a plus. Uh, you're, you're much, much too kind. So um, I'm glad we finally got to connect too. We've been sitting here, Corey. I always say, every time I have a guest on, I always say we should have been rolling tape uh, when we first sat down because there's always like some fun nuggets and things that come out. Um, so I told everyone in the open, of course, you know, where we met and, uh, and what you're into. Um, I would love to jump in and I really want to just get into that brain of yours. Um, you're incredibly successful. You are one of the nicest, genuine guys I've ever met. And it's hard to find kind of both of that, right? A lot of times, um, the more success people get, the, uh, the more ego comes out and, and people tend to be less approachable. Uh, at least in our space, in the coaching seminar space, I find you are the opposite. Like, I mean, people almost wouldn't take this as a compliment. They almost wouldn't know how successful you are um, because you're just, I don't know, you just sit and hang out and, and you just shoot the breeze and you have a good time. Um, have you always been just, I don't know, a straight shooter guy like that? Or have you, yeah. it's a weird loaded question, but like, have, have you, have you had, did you ever have a time when you, <laughs> you were the opposite and you had to like rein it in or you had to reinvent who you were or have you just always been just a people person like that? I think I've always been this way, Matt. And one of the interesting things that comes to mind is there was a day back in my jousting and sword fighting days when I was a head knight and show manager at Medieval Times Dinner and Tournament. And so it was my job to go around and open new castles and hire the guys and stuff. And I remember one guy who eventually became my friend, all of us would go out after the event at night, you know, we go have a few drinks at a local bar. And he thought that I was arrogant because I would be, you know, frequently just kind of sitting back quietly, you know, having a drink and everything. Mm. And, and he, and at first he thought it was arrogant, but then after he got to know me, he just realized that I was just a quiet guy who was just, you know, hanging out, having fun and right. wasn't going to interject yourself in, in a huge group conversation and yeah. talk over everybody. Right. Yeah. I wasn't that super aggressive, like, Oh, I got to be out there, you know, doing all the stuff. I was just kind of laid back. And so, and I love what you're saying too, about like in this business of being unassuming, I look at it like, if it's like a rock star who disses their fans, I mean, I'm not equating myself to a rock star at all. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Tell <laughs> me how you're just like Axl Rose. <laughs> right. But if you know, if you, if you, they're the ones who put you there, you right. know, it's, it's your, your clients, your, your fans, your people, they're the ones who put you where you are. Right. So just hang with them and just be one of them is, is my motto. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. You know, I always think, um, I got to come back to medieval times in a second. What the heck? <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think of, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a seminar goer. Um, I've been going to seminars and coaching and training since 2002. Uh, I was 22 years old. I went to my first Tony Robbins event. And like, I love learning. I love being around coaches. I love having a coach. Like, I just love kind of being in that growing space. And I'm always wanting to grow and change and evolve who I am and, and, and where I am in my life, my business, my family, my health, everything. So I think like, why, I don't know, like just because I've learned a few things that now I can teach doesn't mean I ever want to stop growing and learning. So why would I stop hanging around and, and absorbing from people? We were sitting here for half an hour and I was picking your brain because you've done 344 podcast episodes and you know, I've done a couple dozen. So, I mean, talk about something to learn from a guy like you, right? What, like, why would I ever try to be like, well, let me tell you what I know. Like, no, I want to know what you know. Well, and it's a two way street too, because that's the other thing as well is like, uh, you know, I started three plus years ago, but there's a lot of stuff has changed. So I'm picking up some stuff from you too. And by the way, and I love the sound, whatever you're doing, if it, maybe it's just your voice is just so low and 
It is my sultry lounge voice. It uh, is. I love it. (laughs) I I was hoping it might be the microphone and I could go, let me get one of those. (laughs) Yeah, it must be the microphone because I I don't sound like this at home. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, so tell tell me about the the Medieval Times piece. And how old were you when you were when you first started there? Wow. So uh, I got my degree in acting in college and I went home kind of after like, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, I got a degree in acting and that ain't a job. And (laughs) so uh, I I kind of, you know, didn't know what I was going to do for a while. And then someone said, hey, there's this place called Medieval Times where they do this show and maybe you could go see if they're hiring anybody. And so I went down to the one in Buena Park, California and um, you know, I go in there with my actor's headshot and everything like it's that. And they're, they're actually That's kind funny. of looked at me like I was a goofball because it's not acting really. Wait, so, you, so you worked at the medieval times in Buena park, the one by Knott's Berry yeah. farm that I've been yeah. to a bunch of times. Yeah. That's where I started. Did, did you play every night? I did at some but point, but my best one was the green night, you know, the wicked green night. That was so oh, he's the, yeah. So he's the one at the very end. who's like just a total bastard, right? Yeah. Good to be bad, man. <laughs> In pro wrestling and call that being a heel, being the bad yeah. guy. It's like the most fun. So it really is. How long and they did hired you me, fortunately, and and I did it for six years with six them. And then six years jousting with the Medieval Times. Wow. Yeah. Became the head knight and show manager. So it was actually my job to go around to the other locations and hire guys and train them. And and by the way, when I say we they were never looking for actors, I mean we hired our pizza delivery boy, you know, out of New Jersey when we opened that location. So really. Yeah, anybody who had a desire to get on a horse and swing a sword that had a decent look and size to them, we're like, okay, sure. yeah, if you're trainable, we'll, we'll give you a shot. Dude, that is awesome. So I, I, I'm always curious about this. So I love like live performance work and live performance. Uh, so I love like improv comedy, stand-up comedy, professional wrestling. Um, I, I think all that ties together, acrobat, you know, Cirque du Soleil. Um, but especially pro wrestling, I talk about it all the time because I'm a huge pro wrestling nerd. I you know, yeah, I just am. Uh, ever since I was a kid and then I got back into it, my son was born, not because of him, because of me, but nonetheless, um, what I love about the industry is it's very, it's not scripted like people think, although it's, it's work, right? They put it together. Um, it's a lot more, almost like a medieval times in a way, as far as like it, it's improv, but they have to win over a live crowd all at once, but they're also on TV. But so I, I equate pro wrestling and this kind of thing to, to our industry, to being speakers on stage podcast hosting, whatever it is, there has to be a certain format you follow, but it also has to be authentic enough. So when, when you said that, it just kind of triggered me. I wondered, does Medieval Times, is it completely 100% scripted, like everything you do down to the movements? Or is there a little bit of like, hey, I got to do it this way and really make it feel real? Like, mm-hmm. did different nights do it differently, like better or worse, as far as like really being in it? Or did that matter as much because it's just a show and everybody knows it? Well, it it definitely had a combination of those things. So the fights themselves were highly choreographed because that's just a safety feature. Sure. But but the other parts, I mean, the gaming, that's all. You're really trying to win those games. You're trying to do your best. And then the part, the improv between when you're, you know, giving the other guy the finger or whatever it is that you're doing (laughs) to like, you know, egg him on. That's just all play. And then some guys were better at it. You know, and there were a few of us who got into it who did have acting backgrounds. So we played it up a lot more and I think a lot more effectively than some of these guys who were not actors per se. I think so. I mean, man, j- just to, to, gra- like, to, get, to get the attention of an entire like, arena of people yeah. and get them to buy into something that they know isn't real is hard enough. 
right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, to me, I think it's, it's very similar in a way where like, like when, I, when we go to like a live uh, room, right? You're doing a live event coming up. Um, you're going to be at one of my live events coming up next week, actually, which is awesome. Yeah. But like, so I'm going to be teaching all about speaking, right? And, and literally how to have influence from the stage and how to connect with people. And what I find is, is grabbing the attention of a whole room and getting them to buy into who you are, who they are, the, the shared vision, all of that. Um, it's a lot. It's a tough skill. It's not just speaking, right? It's, it's really about group leadership. And you seem like someone who, so you've been obviously through medieval times, you run your own events. Um, how does the acting tie into that? Did you act after medieval times? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, that was just kind of like my start. And then beyond that, I did uh, summers at the New York Renaissance fair for another six years while I was also, you know, working in soap operas in New York city. And I even did some stage work there. I actually got to perform in Shakespeare in the park in Henry V. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. I had a lot of other fun stuff too. Now, what pieces and, did you do at the Renaissance Fair? Uh, I was the head knight there as well. I played Sir Guy de Gisborne, who again, <laughs> the bad guy. It's so much fun to play the you bad love guy. love playing a heel. Well, you yeah. know, especially, I don't know, like, is in our in your space now right as a coach and as a speaker you only get to play the good guy because you are the good guy <laughs> right but I, and again back to wrestling a lot of the guys who are like the nicest in real life they love playing the bad guy heels because it's just such a fun outlet you know um and they just get to do whatever they want and it's, you know and and get people to hate them and it's just like everyone says it's a blast to do and here's why, Matt. This is a lot of people don't quite okay. get this. But as a good guy, you can't kind of mix it up. You can't all of a sudden be an, a jerk all of a sudden because it's out of character. But for a bad guy, you can be charming a little bit. And you mm. can't play the other side, you know. So it actually gives you a lot more breadth within which to work. And so that's what I like about it. That's really interesting. So you get a lot more flexibility and variety being a bad guy than you do yeah. being a good guy. Yeah. I mean, when you're doing the, you know, the, like the Robin Hood versions of sure. those types. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. w- w- how long were you in New York then? Uh, I was in New York for about 10 years. Interesting. And, and did, it, did it take a while to like get, your, like get a grip on what was going on over there? Did you have a period of time when, like, did you jump right into success over there? Was it a slow and steady build? Um, what was that like? Because, I mean, I've known so many people doing acting over the years that, that – it's just that classic story of actress, waitress, actor. I don't know if you're a waitress or not, but um, I used to be. Yeah. But you know, like, like Hooters. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, we're out there doing, doing everything, trying to make it work, scratch it and climb. Um, what was your experience like with that? And well, I'll start with that. Yeah. So I, first of all, I was fortunate that what took me out there was medieval times dinner tournament because they opened a location right up there in the Meadowlands of New Jersey, right outside yeah. of New York city. Sure. So that's what took me there. And then when I left, you know, working for them, then I really started to have my acting career take off. And, and when I say take off, I mean, I was just starting to get booked little gigs here and there, soap opera work here and there. And you know, I never made it to become an A-list actor, of course. People listening right now go, who the hell is this guy? No, aren't uh, you Luke of Luke and Laura? <laughs> right, yeah. That's what. Yeah. No, actually, I think at one point someone did think I looked like him, but. I guess uh, it's a hair, a little bit of the hair. Must, got the kind of, be, yeah, big. my mom's a huge General Hospital fan. Were you ever on General Hospital? Uh, that was one of the ones that I was not on. But oh. I was on all my children. 
Really? Susan Lucci, yeah. I played uh, County Sheriff Shep Miles on that one. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. I got to see. Can you send me some clips? I got to see something. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll have to show you. I've you got a, my demo reel. Oh. As, as we call it. <laughs> that would be epic. So how, how did... Uh, how did soap opera acting compare to medieval times live performance? Was it, is it night and day difference? Like in my world, I don't do any of that. Right. So like in my world, it's all kind of the same. It's all lumped up in the same area. What's the differences for you and what are the similarities? Yeah. And it's interesting when you use the juxtaposition of night and day. So I was in <laughs> night at medieval times and I was in daytime TV. So it was ah, daytime. Very, very different. Um, interesting. Yeah. Soap opera work is a lot of sit around and wait. Really? And yeah. I mean, if you're just doing like, you know, what's called a day player or a smaller recurring role. Now the contract players, theirs is much more grueling um, because, you know, they're frequently having to memorize, you know, 20 pages of script every day. Every day. Yeah. Which can be freaking challenging. And the other part for them though is in, in the acting world, it's the closest you can probably find in the acting world to a nine to five job, even though it's like seven to five or whatever but oh right because they're 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 recording every day right because especially these around five days a week yeah pretty much recording every day so it's a it's unique in that respect but yeah it's it's very i mean there's first of all there's no risk of really getting hurt uh like you know jousting and sword fighting um and and it's just kind of it's, it's fun i mean you really get to go in deep with the acting and that's i love that i love getting into the depths of our souls hmm did you, when did you know you wanted to act? Is this something that came later or is this something that like you grew up with? Cause there's a lot of people I know that they grew up with this passion of like, Oh, I just one day I didn't have that. I never, I didn't know what I wanted to do in high school. I didn't do any clubs. I didn't do nothing. Um, when I was six, I think I wrote a note uh, to my parents saying I was going to run away and be an ice cream man. I did it. Like I put it in my dresser. I never gave it to him, but I wrote it and I was ready for when the day came that I was going to run away to have my own ice cream truck. Um, Cause that was the end all be all dream. But that's the only dream I ever had on as a kid. After that, it was like, I just, I fell into things. And then one day, you know, then I saw Tony speak and I was like, Oh, I want to help people change their lives. Mm. And, and, but you know, besides that, I never grew up with that. Did you grow up with like the acting bug or the dream or did you fall into it? How did that work? Yeah, no, I totally got the bug. I got bit when I was in fourth grade, man. Really? And yeah. We were doing a classroom production of the Prince and the Pauper. Uh -huh. And and I was cast. If you, you you know the acting world, right? So you probably heard the term fourth spear from the left. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I know nothing about it. So okay. Start from okay. The beginning. So so fourth spear from the left <laughs> is the term they give when you've got like maybe one word or two in the entire script. Oh, <laughs> I got you. So, so you're like, there's a line of soldiers. The you're the fourth yeah. spear. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, you're the guy yeah. standing there. You played the tree. That exactly. So that's kind of what I was cast in, and I really did this. I did have a character with a spear, which is. <laughs> But what happened is during this rehearsal process of the Prince and the Pauper, these other, you know, it's all fourth graders and the kid playing the Pauper couldn't remember his lines for the life of him. Huh. And we're getting closer to the production date, you know, and the teacher's like, if you don't get these lines down, we're going to have to shut down the show. And literally then the day before we're supposed to do it, she goes, all right, we're going to have to cancel it because you cannot remember your lines. And wow. I raised my hand and I said, I know the lines. I know all of them. I did. And just from rehearsing, just from listening to them delivered over and over again. And I've always had this great thing about my memory is I remembered all of his lines. And she was at first, her jaw dropped. She's like, you know, all the lines. I'm like, yeah. She says, all right, let's see. We ran through a few bits. She's like, okay, shows back on. And I got moved up to the popper. Wow. And the rest is history. I'm like, I want to be an actor. 
Dude, that's amazing. Fourth grade, yeah. Fourth grade, she's like 10, 11 years old. That's incredible. Yeah. And I did a play, um, the what's the Scrooge play? I should know that. Oh, Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol, of course, right? Yeah. So talk, I mean, obviously this is not scripted our conversation right now. So in third grade, <laughs> I, did, I did a Christmas Carol and I played young Ebenezer. It was third spear from the left. I had two lines. <laughs> home to your friend, home, and will we always be together? And I was terrified. Oh, yeah, I can never forget him. Because um, <laughs> I only had two. Only had two yeah. uh, but man, I was terrified. Like, I didn't think I would ever want to get in front of a camera. And it's not, you know, now I'm 38. And like years later, I think, you know, I, I you know, a new book coming. I can see I'm, I'm getting ready to go do more media training. And I want to, you know, get out and do some morning shows and things like that. Um, but it still, to a point, terrifies me. So can I, before we jump into the thing you're best at doing, this is probably something you're really good at doing too. Um, do you have anything, there's a lot of people probably listening that might want to get and do some media or get in front of a camera, whether it's a camera at home, you know, to do like a Facebook live or something, or it's a bigger exposure. You, I don't know, like, do you have any advice or what would you, what would you tell a young you that wants to get out and, and, uh, and do some media? Is there any like a, a hack or a secret or, or a belief to have about yourself? Or I'm just curious what comes to mind for you. Yeah, I think for me, there are two major hacks. And one of those is that you have to be super well rehearsed because if you have it so well rehearsed that you kind of could say it in your sleep, then you relax a lot. Cause that's one of the big th challenges is that you go out there and for me, like I had nightmares and stage fright about like forgetting a line. I mean, that would be the nightmare of an actor. You go on stage and it's your turn and you don't know what to say. Right. Cause that's not yeah. improv. That's like, you have to have the line. Right, right. It's scripted. So you, and your line is important because it's going to feed to the next actor in the scene. So, you know, that's one of the things. The other piece I would say is that, you know, build up to it. So mm. that's why I love podcasting because you can start, it's just you and another person talking. And then from there, and sometimes even just you, if you're doing a solo episode, sure. and then from there, maybe do a little meetup group where you're presenting a topic to two or three people and mm -hmm. start to get comfortable at it and get your legs and then advance to bigger and bigger stages. So that's the thing that I think has helped me a lot was just slowly moving up the mm. rungs of that ladder. So, so do some one-on-one -on -one with the conversation, whatever you're going to be bringing to the media, do some one-on-one -on -one with that same conversation, do it on a podcast. Exactly. Um, and I'll, I'll, I, I will be the first to admit that, you know, I've been I'm 12 years into doing and producing live events and workshops and doing group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching and speaking. And, you know, I'm two months into doing a podcast and man, it has been night and day <laughs> to use that same pun, but it's been night and day difference. Yeah. Like it, it really has um, just with, with, with the technical things and, and knowing that you're always on camera or, you know, you can do audio ones obviously, but I like this. I like, that we're, so people are probably, you're listening to this maybe on your, on your phone or in the car or something, but we also put up the podcast on YouTube and, and different places so you can see the video. And it, it's a whole different world when you're constantly no, remembering that you're on video and then trying to forget it so you're natural. And um, you do a great job though. You look amazing, my friend. You look just vibrant and, uh, <laughs> and brilliant. So that's a good thing. Well, thanks. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. So I want to, uh, um, I want to pick your brain a little bit if I can. Um, you so interesting. So from fourth grade, you've been wanting to act and you got into that. What was, what caused the transition out of acting into, I don't know what you would call what you do today. Is it coaching or teaching or training or all of it or none of it? Um, what would you call what you do today? 
Just yeah, all I, I consider myself a, a mentor to visionary solopreneurs. A mentor to visionary solopreneurs. I like that. I like that. I like the, I like the mentor <laughs> word. So what caused the transition out of acting into essentially mentoring and building up entrepreneurs? Like that's a, seems like a drastic difference. Was there, was it just another, a dream or was it a a pit or what happened? You know, I wish Matt that I could say it was just like a light bulb went off and I go, yeah, this is it. But it's not how it happened for me, man. Um, You know, I was acting in LA and this was 2002 and my son was born. And this is the other thing about the career of an actor. I mean, I did, I had some major roles in some independent films and sometimes you have to go away for months and you might make good money for that month, but then you right. don't work for two or three months. And right. so the income was like a roller coaster, you know, high, low, high, low. And the smog in LA, I read somewhere that you raise a kid in LA and by the time they're 18, it's like they've been smoking two packs a day or something. I don't know if it was true or not, wow. but I read it on the internet, so it must've been true. It does. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but they make you beautiful know, sunset, so it's worth it. That's that is for sure. Just kidding. And and I so I left there and moved up to Santa Cruz in 2004 for the clean air. Okay. And and dude, I floundered, man. I I'm like, okay, well, I've wanted to be an actor since I was 10, and now here I am, 42, and or actually I was 44 when I came up here. And I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And so I did a little bit in the. Um, in the world of advertising. I got into that for a little bit and then I got into the pharmaceutical industry and then I kind of stumbled into the technology industry and my entrepreneurial piece came, you know, was raising its head again. And so I started a a high tech company and when we hit the end of the financial runway, I decided, okay, that's, that's it. I really want to do something else. And the part that I've left out kind of the the underlying current of this river flowing, this whole thing was Mm -hmm. personal development you know, and, and uh, the study of ontology and doing Tony Robbins work and doing landmark education and sure. studying Earl Nightingale and all the greats. I did a lot of that to develop character for actors. You know, when I'm acting a role, it's like, I wanted to know how does the mind tick and how can I make shifts mm. that will play out on character. And so I started using what I'd learned to coach people. And then when my high tech company hit the end of its financial runway, I mean, literally went broke. I'm like, okay, I'm just really going to dive headfirst into this coaching stuff. And so that led to the coaching, which led to the podcast, which led to where I am today. That's amazing. So now, so what's the name of the podcast? Let's talk about that real quick. Cause you have a, a tremendous, you have two of them. Well, actually and I'm about to have a third by the way, but, but the two that I have, I started with consciously speaking and yeah. that's a show that's got the 344 episodes. And then and what, just, what's the premise of consciously speaking? Yeah. You, you'll describe it better than I will. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing was for me is I knew a lot of people in this world of conscious thought leaders, you know, of, of being more mindful. And I had been studying Buddhism and all this study of ontology and like, how can we wake up more as human beings and understand why we do what we do and how we can make these subtle shifts. Right. And so I thought, well, let me create a show that introduces people to all these different ways of new ways of thinking really mm-hmm. in the hopes that it would spark people to wake up. And so that was really the mission of it is to cool. wake people up. Yeah. And, and so that's that show. And then the one I just launched is by this, not that, which is more towards entrepreneurs. And it's a review show where we review the technology that entrepreneurs use and we re- review the training courses that they use as well. So it's totally different. 
Oh, that sounds, that's actually really fun. Cause there, you know, there's, um, that old brand, remember the, the book, eat this, not that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Really, uh, really like really smart, uh, smart thinking, right. Where they're like, well, I don't want to change my entire life necessarily. Like, you know, turning everything upside down, but I want to know that that's not good for me. And this is actually way better for me. And they look similar ish on the surface. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. So you could look at, you know, Entreport and Infusionsoft and go, Oh, which one should I use? I don't, exactly. Well, so you're reviewing those. Do you, do you, do you interview people about reviewing them or do you talk to the, the people who have those or do you just look at them yourself and like put them side by side and go, let me, let me show you the differences or. Yeah, no, actually that sounds fun. The people. So like for Entreport, for instance, I interviewed one of their. Oh, guys. you actually did Entreport. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. It hasn't launched yet, but I've interviewed them and that's, that was a long episode because when you dig into something like that, there's a lot of those elements that for me, it's important to flesh all that out so that someone who's looking at it can see it and go, Oh yeah, that, that's what I need. Or mm-hmm. yeah, it's maybe more than I need. Yeah, and that makes so, sense. Yeah. But yeah, I, so I try to interview the people like either the creators of the software mm-hmm. or, you know, having you on, uh, to talk about the programs that you offer because you train entrepreneurs in certain skill sure. sets. So valuable. And so, yeah, I'm going to have you on and we're going to dig into those elements and see, you know, what's the promise of the program? How's it delivered? All the right. next. Actually, that sounds a lot of fun. Cause you know, and it speaks too to, I think like how I sell things is uh, my philosophy is very simple. It's like, I, I think about what people need and then I try my best to build the best version of what will solve that. And then I deliver it right with the highest integrity yeah. I can. And, and that's not like just like blowing smoke. I just, I think it's the easiest way to sell is if your program genuinely will fix the things that people are looking to solve and you really put it together the best way you can, it's going to be valuable. So, but, but I always like, I, I explain that to people, right? So I go, well, here's my program and, and I do it this way and here's why I do it this way. And I do these deep immersions and here's why we do that. And then other people do it this other way and that's good. But I think that you miss, you know, so I just like to explain the elements of it and then people can make their own decisions because there's 101,000 NLP trainers to go to out in the world. Um, but I have a unique viewpoint um, for what I train. There's a, a, a million people nowadays that are going to teach you, hey, here's how you can become an expert. Here's how you can build your solopreneur, entrepreneur business. Um, you know, here's how to get PR. And everyone has a different take on it. Yeah. Um, you have a unique take with your experience, your know-how, your heart um, that I really, really respect. And I want to I take some time um, and kind of transition into that. So one of the things that you're going to, that, that I really want people to get from this episode together is not just obviously get to know you and get to know what made you tick so much. Um, but I want them to get to know what you can teach them. And the major thing you teach is it's right behind you on the video. If you're watching this online, it's the authority blueprint. And, uh, Michael, you, you become really, in my opinion, one of the best in the world at, at, at showing people not just like how to, let me say it this way. I, I've met plenty of coaches that will make people a quote unquote expert or authority. And they, they just, there you go. I'm going to get you in, I'm get these great pictures and these great photo shoots. And I'm going to introduce you to these big name people. And it's cool kind of, but I don't, for me, I don't see the long lasting results. And I certainly don't see the revenue in the business. I just see people that are running around spending a lot of money and looking like, um, like an expert, but you sort of know they're not quite an expert. Um, what I love about you is you have this like pillar system where you have like four simple pillars that if you do them, each one of them, in my opinion, I think I'm sure you'll agree, can produce revenue 
each one of them can produce leads and each one of them makes you look like a bigger authority as you grow. Um, would that be a fair assessment? Absolutely. I mean, you nailed it spot on. I'm just kind of selling you, selling you for you. You know, <laughs> I appreciate that's what it. I do. That's what I do. Um, so t- t- tell me about kind of the authority blueprint style. Like what, what is the blueprint? What are the four pillars? Um, sure. And, and, and why those? Yeah, and which is a great question too, especially the why those part. And so for me, the four foundational pillars are podcasting, mm-hmm. virtual summits, speaking from stage, and authoring your own book. And as with any blueprint, there's a certain thing, you know, in a way that you build something. Like you don't try to put the roof on before you've got some walls and you don't do the walls before you get a little foundation. And so sure. I even recommend that someone do those in that particular order and for very good reason. And so podcast. Oh, so, so, so in the order, let me just make sure. And, and by the way, I'm going to put this in the show notes. Um, so I'll mention a few things. And one of the things I'll put in there is, uh, is the pillars in the right order. Um, so podcasting should come first, yep. then virtual summits, then speaking from stage, mm-hmm. then publishing a book. Correct. Interesting. So why yeah. podcasting first? Cause it has the, the like, easiest entry level of anything. And I'm, the word I'm tr- struggling for is just that it's, there's minimal barrier. No barrier of entry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to don't know much at all really. All right. and, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. You get a microphone, you get a headphones and, and, and away you go. And you probably already got a laptop, you know? And, and right. so literally for under a hundred dollars, you could have your podcast launched huh. and, when I first launched mine, I literally, I didn't know what a podcast was. And then 14 days later I launched. I mean, that's, you know, and that's, wow. yeah, it's, it's pretty much shows that you don't have to know a lot to get out, get it out there. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's great. And then the other piece about that is that that's something that, you know, once it's up and running, as you know, Matt, like then it just takes a little bit of watering. You do your mm-hmm. episodes every now and then. And especially if you put in some uh, practices like batching, and put in a few systems, you can make it very easy. I have some of my podcasting students who work in their podcast one day a month, you know, and then that that one day they get four episodes and they drip those out once a week. And And I want that. So when you're talking about batching, just so so everyone knows, so batching is taking, um, taking a task that you'll be doing repeatedly daily or weekly and putting them all together back to back over a period of a day or a half a day or, or something. I, I know some people that'll do batches of like two or three days in a row, almost like doing a live workshop where, where you go in and you just work on this and you could have a month, two months, three months finished. Yeah. Um, I don't do like, that's a little bit much for me. Cause I also, <laughs> um, uh, like I want to keep it sort of still relevant for what's going on. So I, I'm always going to have a little bit of work to do on it. Um, but batching together can really make it simple. So you actually, so you don't just, you don't just teach people, Hey, get a podcast. You actually have a system for making and launching a podcast, which exactly. I should have gotten. I wish, uh, I wish I knew about that uh, <laughs> a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, would have avoided a lot of mistakes. Well, and that's the thing about it is, and, and even after I launched, you know, that first podcast that I did in 14 days, I learned, after that, unfortunately, about 10 episodes in, I learned what a podcast could be and learned more about it. And I actually shut down my show, got a mentor, relaunched a month later to a seven day a week podcast. Whoa. So, yeah. So that, that, you know, it was a big deal for me to do that. But in that process, is I, that's when I really got to master the batching and systems to be able to crank out that many shows. Oh, you'd have to. Yeah. You just have to. I mean, look at like, uh, 
you know, I, I think if, if you're in the podcast world or if you listen to a lot of podcasts in the entrepreneur space, you know, you know, like John Lee Dumas and Entrepreneur on Fire and you think, or uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, and I look at these guys who are dropping daily podcasts and I think, man, you either have a team or, you know, you're doing a ton of batching. Um, but also, like, I think it's fair too that if we're starting off or you're about to launch, you can't compare yourself like if I tried to compare my seminars to Tony Robbins seminars, not only is it so unfair, but it's, it's not relevant at all because what I should be comparing myself to Tony's seminars 30 years ago, right? When he was first getting rolling and started a holiday Inn in Wichita, Kansas, you know, with 50 people or whatever, like I need to compare to that and say, well, what did he do then? You can't look at mentors that are just out there crushing it in a big way today and think, Oh, I gotta, I gotta do that because it just plain wouldn't work for you. Exactly. What yeah. did we, was it you or someone, we were at a podcast, um, at, um, the new media summit with our friend, Steve Olsher, shout out to Steve, love you buddy, um, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And someone on stage said, you know, you, if, if I talked to some of those, uh, who was the person they talked about? If I talked to one of those major podcasters now, right? Um, oh, it, it was Lewis Howe, right? And he, he said, I, his niche wouldn't work because you know he made a name for himself when there wasn't nearly as much in that space and now if you just came out what's the name of his podcast the school of greatness school of greatness right if you just yeah. came off and said hey podcast about great people and thinking greatly and you know like that wouldn't work so you can't compare to what someone does today that's already a big name um, so you're showing people how to launch and how to get started i'm sure there's different tactics and could you share something like i don't know maybe a secret that i should have known or that you wish you knew Sure. For anyone well, who's wanting to maybe think about starting. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll share a little launch secret. And, and that is that when you go live with your show, two things that you should really try to do is one is set up a launch team. Mm -hmm. and, and by team, it simply means you gather a group of friends and you create a little Facebook group to corral them okay. and say, on my launch day, I want you to do me these favors. I want you to subscribe to my show, give me a rating and a review, share it with your friends and download and listen to the episodes. So that's part so important. One. Okay. And so now let's say those people jump on board with you. You got a good launch team. Let's say they drive traffic to your new podcast. And let's say they drive a thousand listeners there. Well, if you've got one show posted, you do your intro episode, you've got the potential for a thousand downloads. But if mm -hmm. you launch with five episodes, now you have the potential for 5,000 downloads. Jeez Louise. Right. Yeah. And so what that does is it, it will accomplish a couple of things, which these aren't going to be things, by the way, that just, you know, skyrocket you to the moon, but they will increase your discoverability, which means you'll go up the ranking in the charts. You can get some kudos like that. It's kind of like trying to become an Amazon bestseller, if you will, a little bit. Yep, absolutely. To number one in the charts that way. Well, you and need the reviews, you need yeah, the ratings, and you need you the downloads. You need all that too. And when you're when you hit higher up in the charts, then if someone's looking to add a podcast to their repertoire of, you know, what they listen to, they may be going, oh, what's new in self-help? And all they're going to see are the top rated shows because it doesn't give you an extensive list. Right. And so they see if you're in the top ranking and then it piques their interest, then you've got a new listener. So that's mm. kind of the value of a launch strategy that can really you know, burst you onto the scene in a big way. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I don't want to say who, cause, uh, but I'm pretty sure uh, she's a, a student of yours or has taken your authority blueprint. <laughs> um, and also a, a student of my, a member of my mastermind I'm looking out and, and she just launched a new podcast a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks now or something like that as we're recording this. And I was searching on my phone, literally like a week ago, searching on my phone and looking to see, I'm like, I wonder if I made it anywhere near the top 200 in business and nowhere. 
So I'm searching not in the subcategory, but in the category of business, just business, right? Not business marketing, whatever. Um, and I'm looking and I find her podcast number 32 overall in business. Wow. And, and literally I talked to her and she said she followed exactly that launch strategy. She got the group together. She, I mean, she did exactly what you said and she's yeah. beaten out Ted talks, Tony Robbins, Susie Orman. I mean like all these big names, uh, you know, that have their business podcast. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. I mean, 32 overall, that, that's not like there are thousands and thousands and thousands of business podcasts yeah. that just blew my mind. So I just wanted to edify that what you said works. I wish I, I heard that before I started, um, but it's probably not too late. Hopefully, I don't know. Maybe well, it is. It's not. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm glad you asked that because this is the truth of the matter is there, there is a thing in iTunes, which is called new and noteworthy, which has yes. been broken for a, over a year now, I think. And so it's not changing. It's just stagnant within the categories. However, really? yeah. Um, however, what, uh, can work for you really nicely though is you can still do a day where you try to blast things out there and you'll still climb up the charts because the sure. charts are always up and down and so you could you know pick this week and say okay i'm going to blast the heck out of it mm. I, I did it at one point i actually uh contacted all my friends and i said hey if you're already subscribed unsubscribe if you've already downloaded shows downloaded shows delete those and then i want you to resubscribe tomorrow and download those shows again really and, yeah, and somehow, I mean, it's kind of gaming the system a little bit. The whole idea is that you just go up the ranks so that you can get, you know, more recognition and be discovered. Right. Well, and that's some of the problem is like, you know, the, these systems, whether it's Google or it's Amazon or it's uh, iTunes or New York Times, right? It's like the, the system is trying to design itself around organic shifting, but the reality is even the biggest names, it, it doesn't work that way. So like you you almost have no choice but to game it to just it's not gaming it. I think, I think it's knowing the rules and then playing the game. Yeah, right? exactly. It's very, it's very different. Um, so interesting. So, so anyone can start a podcast. Yep. You'll show them how to launch it, how to get it started. And that, and that's a huge tip. So, um, and how to monetize. Sense. I want to change mine. Yeah. Let's talk about monetizing it then. And I know yeah. we, we have more to get into. Um, but so what, what are some of the ways that you, cause I look at it, podcasting as the long game. Mm-hmm. And one of the only reasons, and I'd love for you to break this myth for me, one of the only reasons that I'm doing it now, I'm spending a lot of money on it. I have a, you know, a team that, that helps me with it, um, all that stuff. But I'm only doing it really because the other part of my business pays for it, right? This is free. I don't make any money from it. I know that, hey, once I get down the road, maybe there's sponsorships or maybe there's whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Um, so I know it'll be good for me later. I'm willing to spend the money and the time to do it. But I think if someone's starting off, especially a solopreneur, if I look at, well, I either put on a live workshop that I can sell something or I go speak or I do a meetup where I can have a consultation and sell one-on-one you know, clients or I do a bunch of podcasts. Like they only have the choice of picking the thing that's going to generate revenue. So number one is, is there a way to get sooner? I don't know if that's the right way to say that. Revenue sooner in podcasting or is it a long game? Because that's just how I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate where you're coming from with that, Matt. And, and I do believe that the long game is the best play. Yeah. And even if you're doing other stuff in the process, I still say keep that long game going. Okay. Mm-hmm. It will pay off in spades down the road. And there are ways to make money sooner. As a matter of fact, I just had a, a new client sign up for my uh, podcast training course, which I love it because I told her, I'm like, you are going to be my. Uh, testimonial, my rising star for this <laughs> particular format, which is that 
if you have a high-end ticket offer, if you sell a high-end service or product, yep. then you don't even necessarily need to sell to the audience. Why don't you create a show where you bring on guests who are your potential clients? Hmm. And so you could literally make money before your show even launches. And so I'll just tell you hers as an example. She is in the automotive repair industry. Okay. Okay. And so she, well, actually what she does is she is a QuickBooks expert, an accounting expert with QuickBooks mm -hmm. that helps people in the automotive industry to increase their money, their revenue stream and the money they actually get to keep. Out of I love it. it. That, that sounds good to me. Yeah. So for her, a new client can equal 30 to $60,000, just one new client. Right. Annual revenue. That's what it could amount to her. So we're going to create a show where she interviews auto body shop owners. So she gets beyond the gatekeeper. She brings them into interview. And during the process, she I want to give you about, exposure. I want to have you on my show. And they love it. Of course. Of course. Okay. So you get past the gatekeeper. They're going to come in and talk to her and she can find out some of their challenges. Like how, how is your revenue flow going? Or do you find any challenges? What are they? And if anything revolves around money, that is a challenge. Then later outside of the episode, she can approach them and say, by the way, I can help you with that. Wow. Yeah. And so when you look at it from that respect, she could actually get clients booked before that episode ever even goes live. Wow. So that, that's genius. So there's one of your, your quick, uh, a way to actually, that's almost building like a sales model, which is really interesting and, and upside down from what you would think, right? Yeah. So you're not trying to, Hey, now you heard from me and come to my seminar and you, you can hire me, go to my, my website. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, and I know other people who do that the same way. And then, then there's also the possibility where some of them do it as a very soft sell. Just sure. think about it. If, if you bring on, I, I know another gentleman who is, well, you met him too, Tom uh, at the uh, icons. He was one of the icons at mm -hmm. new media and Tom is a professional speaker yeah. and he brings on guests who require professional speakers for their events. And so, <laughs> so even smart. in the process, yeah. And in the process, they learn that he's a professional speaker and just, you build the rapport and, and I don't think he's hard selling or pushing or anything. No, but see, he's seeding it and he makes sure they know. Exactly. And so then he's like, yeah, and by the way, if you ever need anybody, I mean, it's, and they're like, oh, really? You do that? Awesome. Well, I'd love to hire you. And yeah, actually, we have a manager's conference coming up. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So we should all get started podcasting. Um, we, we're, we're getting almost, actually, almost to, we're getting towards the end of, uh, of our time. I know we have uh, five minutes or so left. Um, virtual summits, something else, obviously, that would build authority. To, <laughs> I think it, it would make sense that you'd go from the podcast experience where you have more control, it's recorded, it's one-on-one -on -one often, to a virtual summit where you're now leading groups, but you're doing it virtually and it may be live, it may not. Well, the virtual summit is still a series of recordings. You're still okay. doing the interviews, but now imagine you take some of this networking that you've done, you've met these great guests, and you go, yeah. you know what, let's do a series of interviews that are all specific to a, a niche target. So let's yeah. say you do it on the paleo diet. Okay. And so you interview all these experts and you now package that differently. It's not free as the podcast. I mean, it is free, but yeah. it's not accessible through the normal podcasting route. People have to sign up for it. Okay. So you, you might, so you might, you might blast out on social media, on emails, 
I'm and doing a virtual summit as well. So they're blasting out too. So mm-hmm. now all of their people that are on their list now want to sign up for the summit too. So you really grow your list really well. That's one of the side effects of it. A very nice one. It's a very and nice one. Want, yeah. And then to monetize it, you could actually package it because now let's say people go, wow, there are 20 great interviews here. I don't have time to listen to them all in this certain window of time that you've given me. No worries. You can buy and own these forever for $97. Ah, so, so maybe free to access live. It's a 14 interviews over 14 days or something but you can have the entire package as like a home study kit or as a, exactly. what do you call it? As an archive or recording? Yeah. You'll own the recordings forever. You can download them and, and keep them. I love that. I think that's great. So, yeah, so go so, to virtual. Yeah. Well, I was going to say in two, and here's the piece that we, we haven't really put together with the other stuff yet. And this is where it builds the authority. So now if you're bringing on experts that are even just a rung or two higher than the, on the ladder than you, or even more, mm-hmm. it elevates you as well, because now you're appearing alongside them. And if you look at someone like Oprah, that's how she became famous. Right. Television host interviewing people, but she kept getting better and better guests and it elevated her in the process. Right. That that makes good sense. Um, And that'll allow you to have a platform now that that, to do that. So the next step though would be um, speaking from stage. So you put that number three for a reason, I'm guessing. So once you've been getting the experience with um, virtual hosting, with virtual interviews, with more and more credibility, right, that you're building, um, why is speaking from stage third? Well, the podcast and the virtual summits will do a couple of other things in the process, kind of like what we talked about earlier about the whole stage fright thing. Sure. You really can start to get more comfortable speaking in front of larger and larger groups in front of, you know, more elevated people, if you will. I mean, you may be nervous the first time if, if I got to say, if I were interviewing, you know, some big wig on my show, I mean, we'll think about um, Mark Marin just a couple years ago interviewed the president, Barack Obama on his podcast. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine, you know, being comfortable enough to do that. So, so you get more comfortable and in the process, you hone your speaking skills and you can start to develop what I call your signature talk and then ready to take it to the stage. Awesome. Um, Do you, what, what's sort of some quick advice on, uh, on getting ready to speak from the stage or like, where do you come in? What are you going to, what would you show some of us how to do? Well, I would say first off, start small again, you know, just try stuff out. And the best way to do that is start your own meetup and gather. I, f- I fully subscribe to that concept for sure. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm, uh, after I interview today, I've got a meetup of my own tonight. I'm going to be speaking at 12 people signed up, small group, but you get to go to these things and practice and really mm-hmm. fine tune your message. And, you know, I mean, as a expert speaker, you know, it, it takes some time and you just get better with it over time and, and then just grow from there and then yeah. maybe get on other people's stages. Like you said, I'm coming to speak at your event. You're going to be at my event, by the way, for anybody who's out there wants to meet you in person, you know, I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. So t- tell me about that a little bit too. So obviously you're going to cover podcasting, cover virtual summit, speaking from stage, and we haven't even had time to get to getting published, but that's going to be a, a dessert jewel that you can get at the live event. There so you go. your live events coming up. I'd love to, uh, can we plug that for you? Absolutely. I love it. It's called your authority blueprint live. Yeah. And it is going to be three days of a transformational business event where you're going to learn, you're going to have fun. You're going to actually get through a lot of the mental blocks that hold us back too, because that's, Mm. let's be honest, let's be very real about this is that a lot of what stops us isn't what we know. 
Amen. Information is easy to get and right. we know what to do. It's the other crap that gets in the way. And so we're going to deal with that as well at the event. Right. Wow. And that's coming up. Uh, you, you obviously do, you'll repeat this, right? But the, the next live one is coming up June 25th, 26th and 27th in Monterey, California, yeah. which what a beautiful place to, uh, to put on an event. That's phenomenal. Um, is there going to be any jousting at the event? <laughs> there might be, but it'd probably just be me and you roll, you know, in some chairs with rollers on. Uh, <laughs> We're getting older. This isn't working like it used to. <laughs> right. Well, that's going to be fun. And I can't wait to be up there. And one of the things I think is going to be really cool. You mentioned, uh, I don't know, hopefully this isn't a secret about your, the podcast element. Oh no, not a secret that? at all. Yeah. Okay, great. So you're going to be having like a podcast booths uh, with, so I'm going to be doing one of those. I'll be there yeah. for the three days and, and you have a, a few other high profile people that have their own podcast, running their podcast and doing interviews constantly throughout the event. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the purpose of that? Like, why is that such a, I think it's cool, but like, why is it so cool for a participant? Well, part of it is the cool factor. I mean, I certainly like that, you know, just have a little <laughs> to the event. But the other thing is I want people to get like, it, it's not uh, something way out there. Like, Oh, I can never have my own podcast. I want people yeah. to see how easy it is. Like you need a computer and a microphone and you're done. Maybe two microphones, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's just, it's so easy to do. And so I want them to experience that and then to, you know, have the opportunity to meet some awesome podcasters. I'm sure, you know, it's going to be awesome. Have you guys in the stage as well and share your stories about your podcast journey. Sure. And then they'll get to see the ease of it. And so my hope is it'll take away some of that fear factor so they go, oh yeah, I got this. Yeah, and then what kind of people are being interviewed in the different podcast booths at, at the Authority Blueprint Live? Well, it's going to be a big mix. And I think really what we have to match it to is what is right for your show. And so I've mm -hmm. tried to bring in podcasters with a variety of different styles of shows, whether it's mm -hmm. spirituality or health and wellness or entrepreneurism or you know whatever it might be, mental, mental uh, blocks and things like that. Yeah, sure. So that so that the right guest could be matched up with the right podcast host and get to do a little bit of time on air there. Nice, dude, man. That's going to be awesome. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about looking forward to it. So um, again, your, your podcast is Consciously Speaking. That's the, the long running one. You're launching By This, Not That with Michael Neely. And I'm going to put it in the show notes. I'll put all the, I'll put links and I'll put, spell your name and all that stuff. Um, but you can go to the your authority blueprint.com slash PDE for purpose driven entrepreneur. You get a special, you have something special to, uh, to give out. Yeah. I want to put a couple of cool things. On people. Yeah. So whenever, whenever your fans go there, you know, I want to treat your tribe right. So we're going to have the You're free awesome. report that we talked about. If they're interested in podcasting, they can get that free report. It's called the simple five-step process to launch a rock'em podcast in 14 days. Oh, nice. Okay. Cause we didn't talk about that on air yet. So, so oh, it's a free okay. report, five yeah. steps to launch a rock'em podcast in 14 days. So if you are thinking about doing your own podcast or even considering like, what would it be like if I could? So this is totally free. You just, you're going to give that to us and that's yep. awesome. So that's a great gift. Um, take them up on that no matter what. So where yeah. do they go to get that? Uh, they're going to go to yourauthorityblueprint.com slash PDE. Oh, okay. So, so it's all the same thing. So yourauthorityblueprint.com. So that then they can pick what they want or they can pick all three. Uh, I've also got a guide on there for them on building the authority blueprint, which by the way, the piece we didn't cover is that all these elements and ending with the book is mm -hmm. when you do them in this order, now you can tie things and weave around. So literally your book can reference your podcast. Your podcast can help to sell your book. 
you can book in, uh, speaking engagements because of people you're connecting with at the summit. And it just interweaves right. a way that creates magic. And then when you start getting your book sales and that points back to the, the podcast and your exactly. live events. Exactly. That's brilliant. You know, the, the, yeah. there's a lot, I'll tell you this, Michael, there, there's a lot of people, like I said, trying to teaching different elements of, you know, authority and expert and credibility and celebrity and different things. But the way you've put that together, I haven't seen before. Um, I like it because it's functional. It's not the sexiest necessarily, right? <laughs> like, like it's not like, I don't know, like it, start with a podcast, do some virtual summits. Like, okay. A lot of people, I want to be a speaker. I want to go do a keynote or I want to get on TV, but, or I want to get a book is, is like the people's first thing. I think a lot of people want to do, yeah. but for you to lay it out, this is the most functional approach, right? Where you say, listen, do this in this order because it's going to make you better every step of the way. It's going to set up your authority as you go. And then by the time you get to the end, you can link back to everything um, and it all just fits. That's exciting. So you're going to go over all four of those pillars, teach them how to do it, walk through that, have some guests coming out, uh, doing podcasts, sharing about that, teaching about books, teaching about, this is cool. So, so again, if you're listening and, and you're considering, I'd like to be speaking on stage or you already are, I'd like to publish a book or you already have one time for a second one. I'm doing my second book and first one in 10 years I told you about before we started rolling awesome. tape. Um, you know, so it's like, and, and from this point forward though, I'm going to start doing a book a year. Just every single year, I'm going to roll it with a new book in a slightly different niche because why wouldn't I, you know, it, and, it, and the book is tying back into the podcast, tying back into the website. So yeah. um, follow Michael on this. It's yourauthorityblueprint.com slash PDE. Again, it's going to be in the show notes, June 25th to 27th in Monterey, California. Uh, yeah, that is going to be epic. Right. And that's the last piece I wanted to say that they'll find on that page, Matt, is that they'll find oh, a link yeah. to the live event. And when did you go there? You know, check it out. You'll get more details on the event, but also we wanted to create something special for your tribe. And so anybody who goes there and you decide you want a ticket, there are three ticket levels uh, from economy, business class, and first class. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And it's great branding. Thank you. And if you use the code PDE for purpose driven entrepreneur, PDE 100, you'll get a hundred dollars off of any of those three tickets. So oh, wow. Yeah. I'll tell you, that's very, very kind. So if this is up your alley, if you want to hang out with Michael and hang out with me, we're both going to be at the event. Um, and hey, you get a hundred dollar bonus off uh, just for being a listener. That's pretty cool. Uh, Michael, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Thanks for making the time on such short notice as well. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to playing all throughout the year together. Um, it's been really, really enjoyable to get to know you a little more, my friend. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure, Matt. I so love what you're up to in the world. I value it. And I'm just going to add one little piece in there at the end. And that is that sure. I signed up for his program. I mean, because I I love what you do and I see the value in it. And so I, I'm a believer and I, you know, and I yeah. put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Michael signed up for NLP <laughs> mastery. So uh, if you're in NLP mastery, by the way, if, if you're doing a year long program, Michael is going to be at uh, some of the live deep dive events because you know what you know, but, and I know what I know, right. But we need to learn from yeah. each other. So uh, grateful to have you in the tribe as well, my friend. And I will talk to you real soon. You got it, brother. Wow. My thanks to Michael Neely. That was, that was fun. That was really, really fun. Um, if you are watching this over on YouTube at our YouTube uh, channel, youtube.com forward slash education for life, um, you, you saw the, we did a Zoom recording because he's up in Santa Cruz. Um, and it, it was fun to, to, I don't know, just to, to, 
to see each other. Um, and as you probably know, one of my favorite parts about interviewing people like Michael was, you know, is he's sharing his story, right? Like he's sharing about about medieval times, about about the um, you know acting on, on soap operas. Um, I'm just I, I'm just like you, man. I, I came up with an idea or or a question popped in my head, and I'm just gonna stop and ask him. So um, I love doing interviews like that. Um, I I genuinely learned quite a few things from him. Um, and after we stopped rolling tape, I kept asking stuff. Um, he's he's just I want to say this like he's just such a genuine guy. You know, like after we finished recording. Um, you wouldn't know this, but I mean, we sat for another half an hour probably, and I asked him questions and picked his brain about, excuse me, about my podcast, about ways to make it better, about how to promote things, and you know, and just all that sort of stuff. And he shared basically anything I asked. He was like, "Man, I'm happy to tell you, really cool." I'm also really excited. He shared at the end that he's also now one of our students, and that is just um, kind of mind-boggling to me, um, or as Chaz Michael Michaels would say, mind-bottling, mind-bottling, yeah, mind-bottling. It's like your thoughts are so crazy they get trapped in a little bottle. Mind-bottling. Blades of Glory, anyone? Anyone? Will Ferrell? All right, one of my favorite movies. Ice skating movie? Okay, it's so good. Um, the point is, it was mind-boggling that a guy like that that has so much success and, and has built a huge authority brand for himself, once he talked to me, he said, well, I've wanted to learn NLP. You're the best I've found. And he literally, it wasn't a... a, a a special hookup. I didn't do it for free. He said, I'm signing up, I'm paying for it, and I'm doing your course. And I just, uh, the, the amount of respect that, that I found and, and, uh, and pride, honestly, um, when I begin to get people like that, you know, colleagues in the space, uh, to sign up to learn NLP from us is just really, really cool. So anyway, um, thanks to Michael again. It was awesome. Look in the show notes again, and we'll have all the uh, updated and correct uh, links and websites and everything. Uh, make sure you check out yourauthorityblueprint.com forward slash PDE. Um, I don't actually get a bunch of credit or anything. I, I, just to be clear, I don't like doing affiliate stuff where like I get paid for things, so I'm not getting an affiliate commission or anything. He just made that page specially because he, he can do that easily. And what he did is on that page, he put for you the link and information about the we, uh, about the workshop coming up in June, June 25th, 27th in Monterey. And then he also put those two freebies he talked about, which was the launching your podcast and uh, and the other really, really good one. So um, make sure, uh, about just the authority blueprint itself. So make sure you check out that out. Um, and yeah, follow Michael, connect with him, reach out on Facebook, you know, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and have some fun. Speaking of that, make sure if you haven't already, do me a favor, man, reach out on Facebook. Uh, I'm, I'm probably on Facebook the most, um, certainly on Instagram and Twitter, but you're going to, you know, I, I'm the most I'm going to be on Facebook because I'm an old guy. I'm 38 years old. So find me at facebook.com forward slash Matt Browning. Uh, I put really cool memes and, and, and quotes and pictures of my family and leadership stuff. Um, and I drop the new episodes. Also, every Monday, well, you know, I take that back. I'm not doing every Monday any longer. I'm, uh, and I'll talk about that more in a future episode. We're shifting a little bit. But right about every other Monday, I'm going to be going live on Facebook, um, recording a special Monday with Matt uh, bonus episode, which is just teaching on an NLP aspect in life and about how to improve that aspect in life. Uh, this week on this last Monday, I talked about fear and how to eradicate it from your life. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It's episode 26. It's really, really good. It's got a lot of traction. You can find it on my Facebook page and watch the live video if you want and comment. Please comment. Let me know how you, what you think about it. You can also go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Google Play, you, know, you name it, uh, whatever platform you get it from. 
uh, and you can get the podcast for the audio version as well. So if you want to learn how to banish fear from your life, that's Monday's episode. And uh, let me know how what you thought about Michael's episode as well. Leave me some comments. Um, give me some love. Leave me a review. Man, if you haven't gone on iTunes, just a quick little five stars or however many stars you think are appropriate. Um, I would love your feedback on, you know, and if you think I suck, tell me I suck. I wouldn't mind that either. Um, but if you think I'm good, tell me I'm good. If you have any feedback or ideas, please tell me. Um, any ideas for future episodes, I'd love to hear it. Um, I'm excited to connect with you more, and we will see you next week on The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. Have an awesome weekend. Bye.